What are you anticipating seeing you know, amongst the New Zealand teams, given you've, you've given all that about the All Blacks? Oh, just so many good young players, mate. I don't know how you do it there. No, I do, because you've got three of the biggest uh, academies in the world. Fiji, Samara and Tonga. They're not bad. Oh, we were waiting for it. I was waiting for it. Hello and welcome to the Drop Kickoff podcast. Uh, it's been a very eventful evening tonight. It's Click Frenzy. Um, so we've been buying lots of bargains, which brings my mind to a certain Tolu Latu is a bargain. I feel he's underutilized, underappreciated. Um, but, you know, some might say that's a personal feeling, but it's not a personal feeling. It's very, very kind of true. It's, it's rooted in a very deep sense of uh of truthiness um but today i'm also joined by um nathan williamson um nathan who, who's your who's your rugby bargain who'd be on your click frenzy oh you want job about click frenzy is it always it's something that just goes fast you know it's not not around for a long time like it's just it, it's something that's rapid so you know oh yeah may as well go for May as well go for the main man himself, Corey Tool. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, what what a bargain buy he's going to be! Like, how good is he? Far out. Yeah. The so try good. scored in the try scored in the weekend against the Hondas. Oh, chest kiss. He is just unbelievable. Yeah, he's, that was an amazing try. Um, kind of crazy how it just kept going on. He he built it into action. Didn't it doesn't he? even look like he's, he's like trying to run that fast. It's just like he's going. It feels like he's just going at a normal speed, and he just. All of a sudden, just laughs people. Just looks like Sonic out there, just sprinting away from everyone. <laughs> just like, what the hell is going on? He's yeah, every- unbelievable. Yeah, he's unbelievable. Everything's coming up. Millhouse, aka Corey. <laughs> the, Corey um, the Corey hotlines in, is in over <laughs> overdrive. Here's things that rhyme with Corey. <laughs> Allegory. <laughs> uh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Shout out, Steve. Love it. Good scene. Good scene. Good series that Simpsons show. Um, and we've also got Nick, who's eating or something. I was scared to show his face. I think he's had an outbreak of pimples. Yeah, definitely. It's a look. Fortunately, it's just an audio-only podcast, so uh, not, not not not. It won't affect our our wonderful listeners too much. Okay. But I'm yeah, and I'm happy. Some some could say you got the raw end of the bargain there. Uh, I see what you did there. I see what you did there. That was that was smooth. Yeah, it's very smooth. Been working uh, on that. So 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 uh, smooth. I could have eaten my dinner off it. Yeah. Um. So Nick's got some news. He's moved to a uh, minor media outlet. Um. Today. <laughs> and he got. I to wouldn't meet. sell them that short. <laughs> so last two weeks, uh, been a bit crazy for Australian sides. Uh, we've kind of been winning a bit. It was four wins. From four, uh, you know, one of them was uh, Rebels Brumby, so that was always going to be a win for an Australian side. Um, and the Waratahs are on a, I think, three, three match unbeaten run. That's pretty four, three, a three, three. You can't think three. this. Come on, three outs. You know, <laughs> well, you're like they're holding on like that. You hold, hide, one behind the other. That's pretty crazy. Um, so um, I guess we'll talk about the most important team in Australia right now, the Tars, um, Nathan. <laughs> right, the informed team. What can we say? Yeah, yeah. All I'm saying, all I'm saying is the Brumbies have three wins in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, where yeah, are the Brumbies on the, on the ladder, mate? 
That's good. They're good. Hey, yes, good yesterday's one. history. It's all it's all about winning strikes. Winning strikes yeah. and you, and they win. You and yeah. your pitiful two win strike. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yes, the Tars have turned a corner. How nice. They're starting to kind of play to their expectations and uh, all of a sudden blowing out teams in the second half. It's wonderful. Yeah, we've talked a lot about how they've got a pretty good run into the uh, end of the season. I think from memory, the, they've got to play the Chiefs still. No, no they've played the Chiefs. The, is it the Hurricanes? Again? Crusade, they've got to play the Crusaders. No, Crusaders in it's, Christchurch. Yeah. <laughs> I got there eventually. <laughs> you know, more you the other teams to guess. Um, but, uh, the host, of the, the host of the show, he gets there eventually. Yeah, yeah, I came prepared. Sorry, I was, I was finding bargains all night. Um, yeah, so uh, look, they might come pretty well. They're coming sixth at the moment, but they're eight points off the fifth place Blues, which, which makes a lot of sense. I probably should be a lot more points off the Blues. Um, considering how they played over the season, but yeah, very exciting. Um, it's actually it's uh, five wins, no four wins and five. Um, but actually, sorry, it really slipped off my my head. Um, I was in the kind of half joke when I said the work was most important because the Reds beat the Chiefs on the weekend. Um, uh, crazy end to the game. Um, it was twenty eight phases at the end, and they still held them up. And I think also. The Chiefs, um, the Chiefs are just getting all all the penalties for for them. Uh, Really, you know, it's like five penalties in a row. Was marching up the field, but the the Reds held them out. Um, Nathan, is this is this is this a huge win or is it a huge win? Oh, it's a huge with multiple U's starting off with. Um, look, this is probably one of the best wins under Brad Thorne. Maybe the best win they've had. Um in terms of non-finals for a long time. Like, they were... People got to remember as well, that was far from a full-strength red side. Like, you have Jordi Bataille out for the season, Hunter Paisami out, um, Josh Fluke, Taj Annan. Like, they had a winger at 13 and Harry Wilson off the bench. Like, they were... You know, they were criticised for sending over a second-rate team. And tell you what, the second-rate team dug in deep and all of a sudden produce one of the more gutsier performances you'll see in, on a rugby field. Like, as, as you kind of allude to, there's 20-plus phases at the end was, you know, multiple times, you know, the smallest players on the field, like your Tom Lyons, your Matt Greeley, really kind of putting your their body on the line and just doing, just essentially making that call of, no matter what, what happens, I'm not letting you pass this line. And, Ultimately, it was summed up by those, yeah, I think it was four players underneath the ball just holding it up and making sure that there was no chance in hell that they were going to end up scoring. And, you know, fair play to the Reds. They've, they've, they've fought for their coach and all of a sudden give themselves a shot at the finals. Is it, would you say it's the biggest win in New Zealand by an Australian side? Like, when was the last biggest win? Last um, year. They won, so the Brumbies, the Brumbies won last year. So was they it a big Chiefs win? In, it was a bigger win than this. I think it was twenty-eight to thirty-eight. I like, like you know, like uh, you know, like metaphorically. Oh, uh, um. You just want to talk about the Brumbies again? No, no. no. Well, look, I did make it. It was an interesting point that 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 I think is probably the most important win for an Australian side in general, probably since the Tars win over the Crusaders last year. But I think this one trumps it. Uh, because in, in, New that Zealand, win. in New Zealand, 
Because Tars beat Crusaders in Sydney. Yes. I th- yeah, probably big. It's it. Yeah, I'd probably I say it's up there with the last. for this. It's like, uh, <laughs> and the Rebels beat the Crusaders. <laughs> but even that was in... Yeah. Rebels beat Crusaders in Melbourne. No, yeah. no, they've also beat them in Christchurch. They've yeah, beat them in Christchurch, Christchurch once well. I think they were talking about oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right, of course. But that was like yeah, a few years ago or something. Mm. Yeah. Crusaders fans, don't forget, you you lost the Rebels in Christchurch. But no, I digress. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, don't, I digress. I think, well, look, in terms of the last, probably the last, since, since the competition expanded to an 18-team comp, it's easily the biggest win since then, I'd say. I wouldn't necessarily say it beats the wins of, of uh, you know, the golden age of Super 12 where there were so many fantastic performances by those Australian sides, um, even maybe some of the wins that the force were able to pull off when they was, when in their early years as well. Um, but definitely over the last probably seven or eight seasons and however many bloody iterations of Super Rugby we've had, it's been a, it's been a significant one. I actually was looking at the, the stats. The last time we actually clean-sweeped international opposition was round 10, 2019. And that was when uh, the Reds and the Brumbies clean-sweeped South Africa in South Africa. So both the Reds and the Brumbies were in South Africa. So that's not even including the fact that it's not doesn't even include Kiwi sides. So I think this round that we just had was bigger than that. I think the thing is, um, again, incredible round of rugby. And, yes, we've, we've kind of touched around it, but the Brumbies went over the Highlanders was incredible as well, the way they fought back in that second half. but. I think the key is now is backing it up. I feel like we get to this stage where we come away with like, I think it was a period out of last year or 21 where we, it would have been last year, but I think we had more wins over the Kiwi sides than they did over us. And we kind of built this hope of, okay, we can compete, we can do this. And then we got out, came out and got smacked. Like, so often we have these kind of brief one-off moments. It's now like, we can't afford for, you know, the Reds to now get smacked by the, by the Blues. The Tars to lose to you know, Fijiana Drua, the Highlanders to beat the Rebels, and we kind of then have to sit here in seven days' time thinking, ah, shit, like, this comp's... We're not, we're not, it's a two-tier comp again. Like, this needs to be the start. You need... Rebels need to go over and beat the Highlanders. The Reds need to keep it competitive with the Blues, like... And we need... Ultimately, we need... A, man, as much as you want to say, the Brumbies need to, you know, naturally make it to the semi-finals at least, but... We now need a one of those teams that will get into the eight to all of a sudden cause a massive upset to properly kick this into the next gear. We're likely playing a Kiwi side if we're going to actually consider this a you know a step in the right direction for the comp in terms of the competitiveness of the Australian teams. Actually, let's talk about the Rebels. Um, they're interesting to talk about. Um, they don't deserve to be where they are on the table. It's really cruel. Yeah, it's oh my goodness! They are so entertaining to watch. Like they first twenty minutes, they were like pulling some like rugby bullshit out of their out of their ass, playing incredible. <laughs> like the Royals were looking around, being like, "How do we stop this?" Like they were unreal, and then they just fall apart at the wrong moments. Like they give away two really bad penalty tries that get them down to fourteen men. They bomb a couple of tries. They again. They are the best-looking team, best team to watch, in my opinion. Just how entertaining they are, and probably the best ever 
you know, 10th ranked team in a 12 team comp. Just like <laughs> they've, they've generally pushed every team. Like, you know, they pushed the Chiefs. You look at the ladder. They pushed the Chiefs considerably. You know, Brumby's game went down to the, you know, 81st minute, 82nd minute. Hurricane's game was there in the taking. And the Crusaders and Blues, they led heading into the second half. Like, that you top, against the top five teams, they realistically can walk away saying they have probably, might have been a chance to just slip away. Like, they are such a good team, but just can't get the results. It is, as a Rebels fan, it must be the most frustrating thing in the world. Yeah, like, they, they bombed two tries on the weekend. Um, and then, you know, Jake Gordon's try. I mean, it was a great try, but it's one of those tries that just he pulled that out of his hat kind of thing. Um, yeah, very frustrating. But, look, they've got... The Highlanders coming up next week. After that, the Force at home, and then the Brumbies away. So I guess three very winnable games for them. Um, but it's uh, yeah, um, yeah, just frustrating. Okay. I think they're a better team than the Reds. I'll say it. You know. That's a that's a bold claim. I'll say that this this game against the Highlanders this week is it. This is it for them. In all honesty, I, I know that you guys have been quite positive about the Rebels. Um, when you say it, the last you mean like... Like, this is their season. If they cannot win this game against the Highlanders in New Zealand, I think this is their season, in all honesty. Okay. Because, like, as I, I completely agree with you, Nath, that the Rebels, when they are on form, have been fantastic to watch. They are very entertaining, and the quality of rugby that they are able to produce is really great. But oh my god, the, the, I feel like I'm, I'm a broken record saying that the consistency, half to half, is not acceptable. Rugby is not a forty-minute game; it is an eighty-minute game. And there was a decent period of that second half against the Waratahs, where yeah, Gordon was great. Gordon was great. He was stellar. He was looking fantastic. And then I started to actually look and started to wonder, what the hell are the other guys doing around him? Like, where's the intensity? Where are you matching? Because you've clearly got the leaders. I mean, Wilkin was doing a good job. I thought Hodge played okay as well. Um, but um, and, and Callaway had his moments as well. But, you know, it's a, it's a 15-man game. And this, cons- this consistency, the consistency in the inconsistency has just been it's it's i think it has kneecapped what could have been probably a groundbreaking season for this club because the cold hard truth is they need wins they need wins badly uh if they want this club to really push and develop and go forward they have it in them to be in finals but if you cannot get wins, then you're not going to get very far. It's, it's not a case of coulda, woulda, shoulda anymore because we know this team is good enough. Mm. They actually need to start winning. I still think they can salvage this season, but it needs to start with a win. In uh, it needs to, it, You need to win in, in, in against the Highlanders. Otherwise, that's it. So, Nathan, a couple of bold claims from Nick just then. Um, three that stand out. Um, they need to win. Um, rugby goes for 80 minutes and it's a 15-team game. Um, first of all, would you dispute any of those? And B, um, I mean, how do you feel about them? Like, uh, I guess probably the question is, do performances matter or do they win? Like, I mean, in, in terms of Super Rugby, let's say Super Rugby 2024, would you say that they still need to 
I mean, if they still perform really well, right? Let's say they lose their next games, so lose by one point. Is is that good enough for next year? Do you reckon they can crack on, or is Super Rugby so? Because they won't see each other for what? So there's three weeks left in the season. They don't get in the finals. Let's say they won't see each other at the Melbourne Rebels for half a year. About like they'll play some games. They'll play some makeup games during like the September October period. Um, in terms of, I think Nick's, Nick's, Nick raised a very good point there. Like, as much as they're entertaining to see, as much as they kind of show the glimpses, ultimately it, it's a business of wins or losses. You can kind of show the talent and you show the promise, but if you're not actually delivering, it's just, you're not, it, it, it's, you're not going to outright call it a failure, but you, it's not good enough. And ultimately, you know, they need to beat the Highlanders to keep track of the, of the top eight. I really hope they do because then that sets up a great match, With the which could be for eighth spot. Yeah, could be for eighth spot, depending on how the force kind of come out this week against the Brumbies. Like, mm-hmm. but it's got to start. In, like the Highlanders are a team they will look at and say we can beat them. Looking I think their yeah, as lips. Nick, Nick's right. They've got to come out and win. Um. So the force. So the Reds are seventh. They've got 23 points. Fours are eighth. They've got 18 points. Um, Rebels and Highlanders are 10 and 11th, and they've got 15 points. So four points for a win. Um, so if they win and the Force lose, either team wins from this. So there will be one winner, of course. Um, they'll go above the Force if the Force don't win. Um, so, yeah, uh, very tight. It's actually kind of a... Might be turn out to be pretty interesting race for eighth here to scrape into the finals. Is that all of a sudden that eighth position looks? You know, we we're complaining that there's too many final spots, blah blah blah. All of a sudden, we look at eight and go, "Hold on, no, let them cook, let them cook." Like it's all of a sudden becoming like a four, t- four, five team race for like two spots. Like it's actually, it's actually making these type of games really exciting and entertaining to watch. Almost, almost must must watch, which yeah. is. Yeah, which is ultimately what you want. You want some stakes in line this late in the season. Like, sure, Moana, Moana are out of it, but you've now got 11 teams fighting for final spots. Like, it's not, not a bad thing. If Moana do get three bonus point victories and everyone else loses, <laughs> they still they out. Make the finals. <laughs> Let them cook. Let them cook. Let them cook. Um, right. yeah. who, who are they playing? Nick. Go on, take the stage. Talk about your Brumbies. I'm allowed to talk about the Brumbies. They're doing good. But I will say, though, I think the the game against the Highlanders, I wouldn't say that it was them firing on all cylinders. I do think that uh, the Highlanders actually came out and played pretty well. They looked, looked like a pretty determined side that were probably going, you know what, we've got to try and, and salvage something from this season because, let's be honest, I think that the... The, the Highlanders have been pretty ordinary, um, even by Aussie standards. Um, I'd argue that the, the, the Rebels and the Force are definitely playing better than the Highlanders at the moment. Um, but they came out and they were determined to play, and that first half was really, really helter-skelter, just try, tries back and forth uh, between the two sides. And there was a period of time where I was really starting to get a bit worried about how the Brumbies were going about things because their defence was a bit uh, disjointed and, they looked like they were drifting away from their structure, and in all honesty, it wasn't. They didn't look like they were playing some of the game to the style that we've come to expect from them. But 
you know, last 20 minutes, they find a way to pull away again. And if you've, if you're playing all right, only played like a, an okay game and you're still winning by more than, a, than two converted tries, you're doing okay. So I reckon there is a lot of learning to take from it. I reckon the Brumbies are very much going to be, you know, looking to try and build momentum into this point. I don't think it was the perfect game in their result against the Highlanders, but it is what it is. They got the win and that is what's critical. And it's helped and boisted by the fact that with the loss to, with the, with the, with the Chiefs loss to the Reds, uh, the, the, yes, I think there's about five points difference between them at the top and the Chiefs at the top of the ladder. So they are within striking distance now, uh, which does yeah. make that. Hmm? I was going to say, you got to remember as well, if the two teams play next week, I want to say, if Brumbies end up getting that bonus point, they go to first. Like, it's not for and against. It's the first starting, like, tiebreaker is head-to-head. So they, they control their own destiny if they want it in the first place. And, you know, as you were saying, just to kind of build off, build off your point, the fact that they're now winning games, even not at 100%, like, they're still finding ways to beat these Kiwi teams when they start slow or when they kind of look off and sluggish. Like, it's a sign of a champion team. And, you know, Steve Larkin's built something pretty special down there. Yeah, it's exciting. It is exciting, and I, I, I just hope that, that they're not this sluggish going into finals because uh, I think there's there is a lot of big games coming up, and I hope and expect some really strong uh, performances, and I hope that they live for the occasion because I think the particularly the game against the Drua and this game against the Highlanders has shown that uh, if you if you get the Brumbies early and and hit them hard from the get go, they can prove difficult to turn around, even though they pulled away with both of those games in the last 20. Um, it's just, it, it, I'd rather the Brumbies have a bit more control in their structure uh, for most of the game because, you know, we, then you get then you get results like they win over the Reds, which was just a man- really solid management from start to finish. And that's what you want. Yeah, I guess you'd, you would want to have that kick up your ass before you play the Chiefs next week. It's, you know... Yeah, you want to play well, this... crab juice the week before the Reds, so you get the Chiefs, so you get that kick up your ass. Um, that'll be a really good game. Looking forward to that one. Well, this, well, this game against the Western Force is going to be interesting because you know, as the Force haven't dropped a game at home, and not only have they not dropped a game at home, is that right? Bar the mark, yeah, they're four from four yeah. at home. Like all of their wins have come. Uh, come at home, and they're looking pretty solid. I mean, it was, I think it was a bonus point win over the Highlanders, I'm pretty sure. And, you know, add to that a strong performance against the Drua as well, a bonus point win over the Drua. Um, they look really, really good at home, and, and they're playing with a bit more of a maturity and a confidence that is seeing them challenge, you know, teams that are higher on the ladder than them. So I actually think that the Force are going to really bring, really going to test this Brumbies side um, in Perth. And uh, see a blue get out to that game because it's. Uh, I actually reckon the force are, are actually in with a legit shot. All right, let's let's talk about the force. Um, so as we know, you know, uh, sons of Perth have just been overrepresenting us over at Eurovision. Very proud moment for the country. Voyager. Um, yeah, that's her name. Um, so uh, <laughs> Nathan, um, do you think the force will? Sing loud and proud for WA. I think they will. I think like they're they've really turned HBF into a fortress, as Nick was saying. Brumby's coming off a six-day turnaround as well. Like, so you probably expect a bunch of players will get rested. Um, like they're 
they're starting to gel well. There's, you know, potential to get Isaac Rod back either this week or next will be a massive boost. Like, they're only just going to get better as the season gets on. And, you know, they've tested teams in the past. They've shown that they're a, you know, they might not be the flashiest team, but if you switch off for 10 or 15 minutes, they'll hurt you. They are just a, just like that constant pressure moving forward t- type team. And, you know, adding someone like Carl Tizano has really given them another element as well. He's come back and been in great form. So, I, I don't say why not. But I reckon they can absolutely challenge the Brumbies this week. Yeah, actually, let's it's, it's talk about um, Carlo Tizano. Um, riff off that, because Nick White is going over there next year. Uh, is that, how long is his contract for, Nathan? Two years? I believe it's a two-year deal off the top of my head. Yeah, two-year um, deal. It's a, it's a two-year deal, yeah. Um, what do we think about that? I think, look, that's probably the force for filling their role. It, I wish they weren't so haphazard, you know. They just kind of buy players here and there off the shelf and then they have to meet their new teammates. They don't really meet their new teammates and then, you know, probably after two years, Nick White's, he might scoot off over to Europe, um, you know, not really gel with everyone. That seems to kind of happen. Um, but actually, Nick, um, what do you think? Do you, are you sad about it? And do you think like, I mean, the, the, the hook stocks look a bit light and there's talks about Tolu Lata going overseas because he feels unloved. Um, yeah. I mean, in general, I mean, in terms of the Nick White discussion, no, I think there, it was inevitable at some point that, that he was going to go elsewhere. And frankly, I think he's, uh, we've, they've got, the Brumbies have got a pretty decent fly half in, in Lawrence. Um, so in, in Lonigan rather. Um, yeah, no, I got my Lonigan. Yeah, I got my got my got my <laughs> got my scrum halves mixed up there. Um, because who and Lonigan's proving himself to be a very solid match winner. Fantastic under pressure, especially uh, off the tee as well. Um, great game manager. Not necessarily got the uh, you know um, the sniping ability that White has, or the or the the kicking the the kind of general play kicking. But he's a very very well disciplined uh, player, which is really strong. Um, and he definitely adds a new dynamic to that Brumby side, particularly when he comes on after White goes off. Um, I think, though, that uh, the Force right now are in just such an interesting place in terms of the squad development, squad management. Um, it was really interesting listening to Pick and Drive's chat with Simon Cron because they address this whole topic of purchasing players and bringing whoever in uh, all, all over the place. And basically, Crony said, well, here's the thing. After that whole situation of the force get cut, uh, we lost a whole bunch of not not only the, the full Super Rugby squad, but a lot of that really solid local talent as well. They all went over to, to Melbourne or overseas or were scattered to the wind. Mm-hmm. So to get, first of all, to get this squad back up to its Super Rugby standard, we, we kind of have to do all of that purchasing and stuff because... Uh, that large contingent of locally sourced Super Rugby players are all gone now. Uh, but not only that, he kind of also said that, I mean, if you go over to WA, it's a melting pot of expats and different people from all over the, sh- all over the shop. So if you're going to actually have a Super Rugby side that represents a state that is full of expats, people from England, people from South Africa, why not have a team that is like that as well? Because that is what WA is. Um, in some way, shape, or form, and then as that talent grows and, and develops, it kind of makes sense to to craft that identity into many different forms. 
I think White's a good pick because uh, there is a need. I think Pryor, Ian Pryor is, you know, he's been there for a very long time and he's been a fantastic uh, yeah, you know, ambassador. Yeah, he's turning 50, I think. He can't play anymore. Yeah, no, but he, he's on, you know, he's, he's been there a long time, let's call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I think uh, that we have such a fantastic scrum half in Isaac Bynes and Liawasa. Um, so exciting to watch. I just love this uh, watching this guy play. Um, he's yeah, he got such a fantastic... He's so good, and I think he would be well-suited to having someone like a white who can mentor him and do what he did with Lonigan. in all honesty. Um, there is, and on top of it, considering that there's good pieces there in that fourth side, having a white sort of, like, character to come in and, you know... To help steer the ship from the role of scrum half, I think would be really beneficial to to this Western Force pack. I think it's a good decision. Yeah, right, 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 right. Um, before we move on, I know Nathan, you want to talk about uh, the Wallaroos for a bit. Um, you'll be covering this weekend. I just want to talk about a, and sorry, this is a bit, I know to listeners this might be a bit kind of navel-gazing a bit, but Hugh Cavill put out, uh, Hugh Cavill uh, of Green Gold Parish put out an interesting tweet in the weekend. I just want to know what you guys think. He said, um, I enjoy Super Rugby, but there's no juice. It's a five-month Wallaby selection trial. Largely, be, largely been that way since 2017. Everything go, Everyone going through the motions, Kiwis included. It's why the Giddo rule is important, because once you remove that, then you don't even get the Wallaby trial. And what does that leave you with? Nathan, thoughts? Well, I mean, that's that's just called just having an inter- I mean, having a sport with international aspect is top billing. Like, no matter what happens, no matter where these p- players play, if you you know get rid of the Giddo law and they go to Japan and they go to any other team, it's going to be a trial regardless for selections. That's ultimately you you kind of want to look at it that way. NRL is just a selection trial for state of origin, like. If you, if you look at it that lens, and yeah, I mean, he's correct, but it's, you know, it's not the whole point. It's not the whole function of Super Rugby Pacific. You know, that's the whole reason behind that. Ultimately, ultimately, Super Rugby Pacific exists as a competition to try and kind of, you know, see which clubs are best and you know, grow, this, grow the sport within its competitions. But ultimately, yeah, when it's the second tier competition, it's also, it's always going to come back to being a, a Wallaby selection trial because... Otherwise, I think, I think how, else, point, how else do you do it? I think Hugh's point there was before that it was a Wallaby selection trial, but now that you don't have to play in the competition to be selected for the Wallabies, it dilutes that, you know, creme de la creme. It's, it's only select players. Like, the thing is, you look at the players that have gone over, when, when you have, I think that's, if you have the Giddo rule in place, this is why it says, if we keep it in, it becomes still a crucial competition because... You essentially have to make your name in Super Rugby to then go overseas, and only then you have to be elite of elite to then come back. Like I, I don't think I think the past sort of two weeks have shown that there is life left in Super Rugby. Like there, once you have, you know, once Fiji, Fiji and Drua start replicating their home form away, they're going to be a lot better side, and it's going to bring a lot more kind of color to the to, to the competition when they're in finals. You know, when the Australian sides start in the gap like it's gonna it's gonna add that juice that's missing and you know when you look at Brumby's chase next week I think if you can get a good crowd in camera there there's a there's all you need just to kind of pump up and really 
kickstart what could be a great final series in terms of building momentum and support for this competition. Now, um, Mick, I believe you replied to Hugh um, because you used his last name um, uh, as a name. Didn't call him Hugh, called him Cavill. Um, you disagree with Hugh as well on his points? I found his t- I found his timing interesting. I mean, you can always use that that phrase of of second tier. You know, it's a, it's just a glorified trial out for the for the you know for the Wallabies. I mean, are we going to make the argument? There with that argument, you could argue therefore that the NRL is the, is the glorified trial out for for the Kangaroos. But all of those who would watch something like that can see though that the NRL is is more than that, um, and. I think I do see his point that because there has been such a disassociation from Super Rugby, you know, it's gone through three or four different iterations in the past, you know, decade. That 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 fan connection has been lost, and there's a lot a lot of view of the product in a mixed in in that very mixed way, uh, especially in comparison to how we looked at it during the days of Super Twelve, uh, which where everyone thought looked at it with that same sort of reverence that people look at competitions like, you know, NRL, for example. I think, though, at the time, the reason why I told him off was because we were in the midst of a really great competition, a round of the competition. And frankly, I was like, just enjoy the moment. I think we need to, at the time when we we call out disappointments uh, and we we should also celebrate when we actually perform well. And the timing was, I was curious about it um, because this was the same day that the Reds beat the Chiefs. And how much did that get everyone up, frankly? I mean, even Crusaders and Kiwi fans were happy that the Reds beat the Chiefs. Like, that's where we, that's where the cop was at. And that's really what it is. I think Yeah, but uh, someone... I, yeah. Well, I, I, there, there, was a comp, there was a quote I, by someone on Twitter, which was basically that, uh, we think we found the solution to this form of super... Uh, to, to how to fix this particular form of super rugby. The answer is patience. Now, whether, of course, that... Now, going back to a point mentioned earlier, the truth is we need to... Yes, this this week was really great, but we need to see more of it. We need to see more of it consistently. And that is where the measurement of uh, the success of this competition will ultimately be decided. But if we do see that, then this has the potential to be a really great competition, like up there with probably one of the best provincial competitions in the world. There is potential there. There is treasure there. There is bones there for something great, which was why, uh, which is why I responded to Cavill the way I did. Yeah, no, I, I hard disagree with everyone about that. Um, you know, there's, there's the one good win doesn't mean make the competition any good. People being so surprised that a win is an indicator of how rare it happens. Um, you know, if, if, if Australia beat Brazil in soccer, for example, you know, people would be surprised. But that's because you kind of know the soccer is go to a World Cup. They're never going to win it. Um, but this is a regular competition and it's, yeah, it's so passe. It used to be a selection trial for, for these Wallabies and now it's not anymore. Yeah, Drew is a good point, and that is a good wedge to make it better, but it's such a slow burn for them. Um, you know, they've only kind of found their feet. I think a huge problem, again, is that they only play, what, 15 games a year, something like that, without finals. That needs to be longer. Like, just any kind of competition, that's not long enough to kind of get going. 
there's that, that old stat about Noah Lola CEO and Marcus Smith. Is, is that his name? Yeah. Yes. But I get and this is whole point three as well. times of games in the same age. Um, you know, look, these are just kind of broad things that you can't really easily fix, but there just needs to be refocused. I think John O'Neill used to say, John O'Neill, the old uh, Rugby Australia boss, used to say, look, you know, Super Rugby is his shop front for rugby, and I don't think patience is good enough. <laughs> it's really dropped off, I feel. Um, it's been given a shot in the arm, and a shot in the arm as in, you know, a quick release, like eating eating a Mars bar in terms of that sugar release, but, but it doesn't, it's not long lasting or anything like that. And then you feel tired after, but it's been given a shot in the arm by Stan sport. And I think that's probably going to fade soon. Hopefully if, if, I mean, Fiji doing good is nice novelty, but I don't think it really resonates. Um, and I think they really need to do some major surgery to it soon. There's been a lot of talk. I, I, I mean, Nathan, you know more about this. Um, what's his name? Paul Cully. Fuck, that was depressing. Holy shit. Uh, I was also going to say, it's, it's, not, it's not just one win, though. I mean, we've won, um, we've won four of our last six games against Kiwi opposition, and that, and that doesn't even include Moana Pacifica, like yeah, wins against Moana Pacifica. Most, what, all of them are the Highlanders. I think most of them are the Highlanders, but, but then you've yeah, got that Chiefs as well. Yeah, have been you know, to extrapolate the Highlanders towards all Kiwi opposition, it's not like a mixed bag. I mean, the Drua have done a lot better against Kiwi opposition, the, the Crusaders and the Hurricanes. Um, uh, but, look, I'm just, it's, not, it's not really about being depressing. Um, you know, I'm here doing rugby podcasts, so you can't say that I'm not there with it or anything, but I think it's kind of to look out of the box. I mean, talk to my friends who, who like sport and... Super Rugby doesn't get mentioned. Like, oh, it's like, oh, yeah, Super Rugby, as if it's like a high school friend. Anyway, Nathan, um, Paul Cully, yeah, Paul Cully wrote an article the other day, and he goes, you think you know what you're saying isn't getting talked about. But, um, you know, they're talking about marketing and whatnot over in New Zealand. No? Don't recall it? I'm not, I'm not quite sure. I, sorry, I'm I not, not entirely sure article. It's probably on his type five. He was just saying, look, they're talking about um, the marketing of Super Rugby. Um, but, yeah, anyway. I just, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think it needs to change. I think it should needs to change from that selection trial. Kiwi, the Kiwis have to drop their all-back thing. Let both of them the Reds, for example. I, I think that's, that's, and it goes back to that point about Nick White going to the force. I think that's where we have to get to. I, I, agree, I agree with that point in the sense of, you need it's, I mean, Super Rugby still becomes a selection, a Wallabies trial, regardless. But it, to allow moves like that become makes it a lot more of an even playing field. It, you know, it allow teams to kind of if, you, if you're a team like the Force or your team who's willing to throw money around, all of a sudden may become a lot better. Like you don't have a situation where, like, you have an embarrassment of riches in certain positions, like. I think if we're gonna if we're a proper aligned competition, I hundred percent agree that that's that's your future. Yeah, um, but there's still so much of that little tribal, feudal bullshit we have to get over. Like the fact that the Reds had a different respect around to the rest of the comp. I think theirs was two weeks later than the rest of the comp because you know they're not following it. It's just that kind of crap, that political shit that no one cares about and they have to iron out. Um, 
you know, even if you look at something as embarrassing as Peter Verlander's talking about NRL becoming some kind of gambling game, um, you know, at least there's one vision there. <laughs> at least it's interesting. If it's, it's a vision, I'll give, I'll give it that. <laughs> it's, a, it's a vision. Yeah. But anyway, anyway, um, I think the fact that also probably just should just say that it's crazy that the Reds won the Chiefs. If it happened all the time, I wouldn't be talking about it. Um, That's a fair point. Absolutely yeah. fair point. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You're, you're smart and logical too, Nathan. Um, Stop it. <laughs> um, anyway, let's move on to Wallaroo. So uh, Super W finished two weeks ago, and now they're back on it because the Wallaroo is going to play the Fijiana. Nathan, talk to me. Yes, they are. This. Well... It's, it's going to be a big game for a number of reasons. Firstly, the retirement of Shannon Parry. She announced yeah, it on Monday that she was... Absolutely. And you, to make the argument that she's probably one of the more influential rugby players in terms of Australian-wise in the 21st century, it's up there, considering yeah. just how much she went through the sevens and has now inspired a whole 15s generation. Um, so, yep, Saturday will be our last game. So, Shannon will be replaced by Piper Duck. She got announced as captain Wednesday morning. So she's currently dealing with a foot injury, but kind of she'll come in for that New Zealand test next month in the pack four as captain. I think she'll be the youngest Warriors captain of all time. Firstly, a great choice. She's, you know, an incredible player, someone you can legitimately lead this team until 2029 World Cup. A genuinely great person as well from my dealings with her. Um, and I think it really kind of, gives you stability for the future if we want to build a women's game and she's the type of person you build a team around. So, again, a lot, lot happening. Um, still don't know the team at this point, but you expect a couple of debutants. Um, and, yeah, it's going to be a great game. So if you're heading out to the Waratahs, Fiji and Jura game, get there beforehand for the for the true main event, the Australia-Fiji game, because it's going to be a great contest. Like, what a legend. Um, they're not going to be talking about her in Melbourne, that's for sure, but just... You know, um, if if Queensland was a person, she's it. She's just <laughs> tough as nails. Again, an absolute battler, but again, a, a great person and a great leader. I mean, she's someone that literally played through the World Cup with, I think, something broken in her ankle. Like she was, she was walking around the moon boot, and type of person that saw it. Like I was going in for a press conference, like they like day before in press conference. She walked in with a moon boot, saw me. So, like, so I noticed the moon boot and she, like, made it a mission that she wasn't going to be seeing it again because, like, she was like, no, nah, I can't I can't give anyone the advantage of knowing that I'm less than 100%. Like, she's just, she's that type of character. She's incredible. Well, just, you know, people talk about, there was, there was I was actually watching a documentary and I'm going to start with, uh, like, a little kind of anecdote that came through this documentary and it was there's a documentary out about the Matildas um, and their growth towards the World Cup later this year and the last episode of this documentary all of the Matildas uh, sit and talk about what Kathy Fre- Kathy, uh, Kathy Freeman winning uh, in Sydney 2000 meant to them and the last shot of that documentary was uh, was Sam Kerr with a child with a child saying, "You are to me what Kathy Freeman was to you," um, which I think is just such a fantastic sentiment uh, for the growth of of women's sport. 
And I think that Shannon Parry is at that level for our get for for rugby. Um, the amount of people, what she has achieved in her time has been nothing short of incredible. And I think that as our game continues to grow and build, uh, she will be seen as a pioneer for the sport. Uh, and the t- in the time where where women's where women's rugby was finally uh, you know sh- uh, you know shook off the, uh, the the challenges that you've mentioned earlier and and entered into professionalism and became uh, what it what it always was meant to be. Um, you need no further indication of that, but then then by you know looking at this Wallaroo squad, how many uncapped players uh, there are, how many how much fantastic exciting uh, talent is coming through the ranks. Um, the fact that they've already got their first five test matches locked in for this year, and I, and I know that we're we're hopefully going to see some more. Um, the future is here. It's the world is becoming round, and it is off the back of people like Shannon Parry uh, being the representatives that they are. Fantastic career, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, bloody marvelous. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know, Nathan, if you've got anything more to to to, to, to spout about this game. I mean, it's going to be an interesting one. Um, again, as Nick kind of touched on, a lot of debutants in the game. Um, a couple to watch out for. Watch out for who uh, it's potentially going to, it's going to be a new fly half. We know it for a fact. But I have to put money on it right now. Um, Queensland Red by now, Karis Dallinger. The incredible story, which you kind of told in the preview pod to the Super W final. But for those unaware, was essentially brought over as a Kiwi import and then about a month ago had, hadn't told anyone that her dad was Australian. So they went, oh, wait, you're Australian? Yeah, just get them. Essentially, within like a week, just dragged her straight into the Wallaroos team and she's probably going to start this week against Fiji. It's an incredible story of just, she just kept to herself and now she's all of a sudden, you know, six months ago was trialling in the Black Ferns team for the World Cup and is now all of a sudden going to be potentially starting for the Wallaroos this week. Another one that I will kind of point out is um, Brumby Swallback, Ash Bishop. Yeah, a lot of talk will be around Caitlin Halls, but don't be surprised if Bishop starts on Saturday. Again, a, mu- a more mature player, but has definite X factor to break open a game. So if you're looking for any, any two to focus on, keep an eye out for those two. Um, and will the Fiji team be the, the Fiji, Fijiana Drua, more or less? It's close to it. Like, they've got... Brought back a couple of sevens girls. Um, I think, yeah, there's five um, girls coming in. There's also a couple of the girls that got picked up by your other CBW clubs. So it's going to be it's going to be a strong strong squad. Like there's 12 players in the in the 28 player squad that played the World Cup last year, plus a whole yeah, whole bunch of other sevens girls and others that have come through the Jura program. So like it's going to be it's going to be an exciting team. Also sevens last last week the sevens. Um, yeah. So essentially, men will play in London. Um, if they're currently in an automatic qualifying spot for the Olympics, if they can finish higher than fifth or higher, they will automatically go through. If not, they have, then have to fight through Oceania, which will be a pain in the ass. So get behind them as well. Should be a good tournament in London after Toulouse, where they uh, again women finish second. Um, men, I believe, finish fifth off the top of my head. As he says, not confident at all. Um, <laughs> fifth, they did finish fifth. They finished fifth. Yes, I was right. Um, so yeah, again, big weekend for well, essentially across Super Rugby, 
Wallaroos and seven. So a lot of rugby to whet the appetite. I'll also finish off by shouting out uh, G-Rob, uh, Georgina Robertson. Absolutely. Uh, the news, uh, I mean, good oh, good news, the news that is that she'll be she'll be moving on from rugby um, in terms of her coverage of rugby as well. So uh, just a personal shout out. Uh, thanks so much for being a fantastic coverage of the game. And there's a really great article that Sean Maloney did uh, where he sits and talks with her. Hopefully we can get her back freelance one day. But, uh, yeah, she's a... She's a Putting down the pen for good, covering rugby. Yeah, uh, I'll second that with I'll second that with a thought of she, she. In terms of the way she works, her work ethic, her knowledge, she's a one of a kind person. She is an incredible writer and one of those people. Even myself, like I will read everything she she writes. She's just got that knack to just draw you in and generally good person as well. Like again, kind of came into I came into full time journalism as she was kind of stepping out or stepping into a more and stepping into a different role. Um, but again, lovely person, a great writer and again, an incredible career. So hats off to you, J-Rob. Yeah. 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 Um, um, oh yeah. Good chat boys. Everyone. Thanks for joining us. Um, we'll probably speak to another two, four, uh, two weeks. Sorry. I was about to say two fortnights, two weeks. Um, um, great bloody Rounds rugby coming up. Hopefully, Super Rugby continues to be exciting and doesn't revert back to being uh, not that exciting. And um, let's go the Aussie teams. Yeah, I think that's a really silly question. You know, rugby's a game of 15 players on the, on the field. When we're attacking, we're attacking weak defenders. We're looking for weak defenders. Why would we run at the strongest defenders? So if Martin's there and, and sorry, what's your name? Nick, and Nick's there. We're not going to run a Martin, are we? <laughs> Guys, can you just send my best wishes to Warren and make sure he enjoys the third and fourth playoff? <laughs>